Church. Thank you for having me here this afternoon. Uh, a bit of myself, since I think this is the first time I'm sharing with many of you. Um, when I was 17, 18 years old, I was in junior college. I wasn't a Christian at the time. I was wondering what my future would be like. I grew up in a large family in those days. Eight children, I was number seven. I think maybe seven is a lucky number, right? Perfect number. I was the first to become a Christian, but at the time, I wasn't a Christian. So, of course, my parents and then one grandmother. Eleven of us in the house, and I remember in junior college, uh, we were talking about future. We were just 17, 18-year-old boys and girls. And as we were talking, and then they would say, um, will we go to university? Will we get a scholarship? And then for the boys, they say, oh, of course, they have to go national service in Singapore. Will they go commando? Of course, nobody wants to be a commando. It's very tough. Will you be an officer? Will you be a, not an officer? You know? And then we started talking about, will we get married? <laughs> We're just 17-year-olds, you know. And then uh, we started to talk about, how many children will we have? <laughs> and I still remember one of my friends said he wanted six children. You know, in Singapore, if Singaporeans, my generation, were to be so fruitful, Singapore has no problem now. You know, now the schools are merging, the playground becoming senior activity, exercise area. We, we, we're not very fruitful in Singapore. So as a 17-year-old, when we're talking about future, suddenly it dawned upon me, who knows my future other than the one who put me on earth? And I said a prayer. Nobody knew. They were still talking. And look up to the sky and say, God, you must be there somewhere. I don't know who you are, but why do you put me on earth? That was the first prayer I prayed to a God I didn't know. A few months later, I was watching a movie and I said my second prayer. Do you know you can say prayers in a cinema? It was all dark, of course, they were watching the movie. And then there was this scene where the ship sank. And then there was this guy who was trying to swim towards land. And he couldn't see the land. And he was crying out. And then suddenly, he, he was, in fact, he was cursing God. He said, God, why do you allow this to happen to me? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And suddenly, he saw the land. He saw short. But it was very far away. He thought, better don't curse God. Better ask God for help. And then he said a prayer. He was swimming and he said a prayer. He said, God... If you allow me to reach the shore, I will go to church. I say, oh, like that also can. <laughs> so in the cinema, watching this scene, of course, he reached the shore, he kissed the sand, and then I'm not sure whether he went to church. But I, I, I said the prayer watching a movie at the age of 17, 18 years old. I said, God, if you give me a scholarship, I will go to church. Because my family wasn't rich. I wouldn't be able to go to university if I do not get a scholarship. Amazingly, I got the best results I've ever gotten for my A-levels. I applied for a scholarship and I got it. A few months later, I was in national service. I was sweeping the floor. You know, in army, they like to make you sweep floor, wash toilet. So I was sweeping the floor and then the phone rang. Public Service Commission, the government office, where the scholarship was being processed, called the army camp looking for me. And I was like, oh, wow, it's about my scholarship. So when answered the phone, and they said, well, you applied for psychology. We want to counter-offer you economics. Do you want it? Go and think about it. We'll call you back later. So I went back to sweep the floor. Nobody to ask. My parents wouldn't know how to advise me anyway. And I just said, well, I, I asked for a scholarship. I got a scholarship. So when the phone rang later, I answered the phone and said, yes, I will take it up. And that was when I was at the airport a few months later, my family were there. First time, one of their sons, one of their 
sons traveling overseas. None of us have a scholarship before. None of us travel overseas before. So I remember my, my father said, Jason, no smoking, no drinking, no womanizing, no alcohol. Okay? I said, yes, dad. And then my mom, you know, my mom told me, no foreigner gods, no foreign wives. <laughs> Very traditional Chinese family. The fear is that, wow, if you have a foreign god, like Jesus got beard, everything, you know, she will lose a son. Or marry a foreigner wife, you know, Caucasian wife, you'll lose a son. So I look at my mother and say, yes, mom. <laughs> and that was it. Those were the two advices that my parents gave me. And of course, when I went to Australia, I didn't go to church. I went to a, a student fellowship called the Overseas Christian Fellowship. I was in Perth, University of Western Australia. They were organizing a camp for students, overseas students. And I'm, I'm lonely, I mean, I, I, I need some friends. So I told God, oh, yeah, God, I didn't go to church, but maybe I just go for the camp. And I went and I became a Christian at the camp. First year, I became a Christian. Second year, I became assistant Bible study leader. Third year, I was in a committee. Fourth year, I became the president. This is the fastest promotion I've ever gotten. <laughs> well, because the senior students went back to Malaysia, went back to Indonesia, went back to Singapore. So I was the most senior, so I have to take on the responsibility. But that was wonderful. God would just stretch me and I took on leadership positions and I have to study the Bible. And, uh... Now, today I'm going to share with you, uh, if you can have the first slide... The word becomes flesh. Looking back in my life, I came back, of course, I joined, the, I was bonded with the government. I spent 20 over years with the civil service. I just share with you the word becoming flesh. And when the word becomes flesh, we can transform the nation. We can transform our workplace. We can transform the marketplace. We can transform families. Let's look at two passages. All right. These are the two passages. Shall we read together? One, two, three. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I just basically just extracted certain key verses, and all of these key verses, I, I highlighted a few words in red. So you can see the word becoming flesh. The word that was from the beginning, the word was God, the word was, was with God, and the word became flesh and became man. Incarnation, God becoming man. That's Jesus. When the word becomes flesh, guess what? There's life, there is light, there is truth. What is the opposite of life? Death, despair, hopelessness, suicide, depression. Do you think in the world there's a lot of life or a lot of death? Suicide rates are going up. Depression, in fact, I think this year, there's going to be a what, 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 year of... The, the government is focusing on mental health issues. What is happening around us? What is the opposite of uh, light? Do you think out there, in, wherever you work, in the school, in the, in the company, in, in the city, uh, in the nation, there's a lot of light or a lot of darkness? A lot of darkness. People are lost. They don't have the way. They don't have light. They, they don't know where to go. They don't have purpose. They have no meaning. I love that. I worked in the prisons for many years. Dark place. What is the opposite of truth? Lies. Do you think there are a lot of truth out there? Or a lot of lies? <laughs> Do you know two years ago or three years ago, you know, Collins Dictionary, Oxford Dictionary, every year they will choose one word that is being used all over the world. Commonly used. And then they will say, this is the word of the year. 
Three years ago, guess what was the word of the year? Post-truth. Truth is good. Post-truth is bad. Christian is good. Post-Christian is bad. Modern is good. Post-modern is not so good. So it was post-truth. Post with a hyphen truth. Two years ago, you know what was the word of the year? They couldn't find one word. Singapore has this parliamentary committee. They spent months looking at this issue. Recently, there was a new legislation, a bill was tabled in parliament, they were discussing this. What was the word of the year? Fake news. <laughs> so much fake news, do you think so? With social media spreading, governments are toppled. Lies are spreading because of fake news. So when the word becomes flesh, by right, there's supposed to be life, light and truth, pushing back darkness, pushing back depression, death, pushing back lies. That's why God said the word needs to become flesh. Now, another passage in 1 John, if you look at the next slide. 1 John, next slide. Okay, let's read together. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Yet, those who walk in darkness, they do not live by the truth. It's the same thing. When the Word becomes flesh, there is life, there is light, there is truth. Now, I like the first paragraph. Let's keep the slide there. When the Word becomes flesh, you can hear the Word, you can see the Word, you can touch the Word. Eh? You can hear the Word, you can see the Word if it's written, but how come you can touch the Word? How many of you have uh, lunch just now? No, some of you haven't had lunch. Your breakfast? Okay, dinner. How many have dinner last night? Okay, I think all of us, unless you're fasting. Do you know that your lunch, your dinner, your breakfast will become flesh? Lots of breakfast, lots of flesh. Lots of lunch, lots of flesh. It will become flesh. No, the Bible says, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. No, we eat bread, we eat food, it becomes flesh. We're supposed to eat the word and the word is supposed to become flesh. And when the word becomes flesh, people can touch the word. We are the walking word. We are the living word. You know, Jesus is the whole word of God. When the Bible becomes flesh in a man, that is Jesus walking on earth. Wow, wherever he goes, there's light. Wherever he walks, there's truth. Wherever he enters into, there is life, light and truth. Amazing. The whole atmosphere will change when the word becomes flesh. Pushing back. You know, it's counterculture. The culture is always pushing back. The lies are pushing us back. Despair, hopelessness are pushing us back. But we are supposed to bring the Word of God, the life of God, the light of God, the truth of God into the marketplace. You see, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Word of God wants to come, the light wants to come, the truth wants to come. This was my 20 over years in the public service. Uh, spent 17 years in the prisons as a prison officer, not as prisoner, as prison <laughs> officer, officer. Uh, and of course, the uh, Ministry of Social and Family Development, I spent six years there overseeing family violence, child abuse. Very painful. I mean, Singapore is supposed to be a first world country, but how come our families are so broken? The richer we are, the poorer we become. Materially rich, relationally poor. 
And of course, you'll be wondering, eh, after 2013, what happened to you? I'm still alive, right? <laughs> well, I decided to leave my public service and uh, do volunteer work, and that's where I am now, because families are important. That's why I'm doing family work. We focus on the family, Center for Fathering, that's for Life. Now, if you look at the next slide. So during prison days, when I saw all the prisoners, God led me to this, setting prisoners free. The Spirit is upon me to set prisoners free. One verse become a national movement. Can you imagine? One verse became a national movement. That's the power of God's Word, when the Word becomes flesh. And of course, I was involved in That's for Life, the Father's Movement, Turning Hearts of Fathers to the Children, come from Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. I will send you Elijah. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. The curse will be reversed. When that verse becomes flesh, it became a national That's for Life movement. One verse. national. Can you imagine if every one of us take one verse, run with it? Wow. Society, nation will be changed and transformed. The arts, the media, the business, the finance, the government when the word becomes right. Now, it's not easy because it's counterculture. I remember when I was in uh, doing Dads for Life. I would propose a Dads for Life movement, get fathers to be more involved. You know what came back? My colleagues in the government office, they said, Jason, when men come together, they only watch football and drink beer. True or lie? Some people say, true what? Eh? <laughs> After 10 years, this is the 10th anniversary of Dads for Life. Many fathers are involved. It has also gone to other countries. What about the verse setting prisoners free? Do you know that I come to, to church, I hear wow, the preaching, set prisoners free. I do my quiet time, set prisoners free. On a Sunday, set prisoners free. On a Monday when I go back to work, what do I hear my bosses say? My minister, my colleagues, what do they say? Set them free or lock them up? Lock them up. They say, lock them up, kingdom, you know. We cannot change, you know, give up on them. These are drug addicts, hardcore, da-da-da. Lock them up. So then I go back to God on the weekend, Sunday, when I read the Bible. What does God say? Set them free. I go back to work, lock them up. Set them free, lock them up. Set them free, lock them up. How do I bring the life, the truth, and the light into the workplace? I'm always pushed back. It's counterculture. The Word of God is counterculture. But yet, God says, the Word becomes flesh. God wants the Word to become flesh. Yeah. Let's look at the next slide. So, uh, this is hashtag 12-year challenge. Uh, 12 years ago, yeah. That's why it's hashtag 12-year challenge. Just before I left the prisons, went over to the Ministry of Social and Family Development. I was the number two at the time, the chief of staff. So, the Word of God says, the Spirit is upon me to set prisoners free. I was in prison you visited me, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus hung on the cross, he talked to a prisoner. When we are dying, last breath, you want to talk to people that you love or who love you. He spent his last breath talking to a prisoner. Jesus' heart is for the captives, the lost, the last, the least. Now, when I wanted to be a prison officer, I have opposition. My mother said, Jason, you're so skinny. You should get beaten up by the gangsters. I, I'm, I'm actually very slim and skinny, but a bit of weight now. So my mom was really fearful because many years ago in Singapore, there was a riot that took place on a prison island called Pulau Senang. Prison officers get murdered. So my mom was really afraid I wouldn't make it. Now, she said, you are so skinny, sure get beaten up. 
Skinny is true. Sure, get beaten up is not true. Sometimes we confuse eh, the two. Amazingly, every two, three years, I get promoted. I was never beaten up. I was promoted. Sometimes no, for no reason. Huh? I say, I got promoted again. Now. How come? Eh? When the favour of God is on us, we will get the promotion so that we have a big, bigger influence. And uh, my, my, my future father-in-law said, Jason, you are so honest. You won't make it. The drug addicts always tell lies. You are so honest. You won't make it. See, honest is true. Eh? I, I, I think I'm quite honest. Eh? Won't make it. Not true. <laughs> Why we always say that honest, we will not make it. Well, I made it. Okay, the next slide. So with the opposition, what do I do? I have to run to God. Because God says, I know the plans I have for you. And you seek me, when you find me with all your heart, I will be found by you and I will reveal my plans to you. And I, I, I sought the Lord. At the time, my church, at a, I was attending this church, uh, they were trying to hear God's voice. Not very, um, the Holy Spirit was not really moving, you know, at the time. So they're trying to introduce the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the senior pastor, I do not know where he learned it from. He came back, he taught all the cell leaders. So I was one of the cell leaders. He brought us all the way to Pasir Reis, booked a room like that, 70 over of us, cell leaders. And the first night, he taught us how to hear God's voice. No chairs. We sat on the carpet floor. And he said, okay, close your eyes. I'm going to teach you how to hear God's voice. So we all sat down and he said, just listen. Just listen. Everybody keep quiet. Now, breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe out the evil spirit. Breathe in joy and peace. Breathe out anger and frustration. Just one whole hour breathing in, breathing out. Then he's asked, anybody see anything? Anybody hear anything? Nothing. For me, nothing. I only heard two, three people around me after one whole hour. Snoring away. <laughs> maybe they are dreaming dreams. I don't know. But after the one hour, the pastor said, maybe some of you have heard, some of you have not, but it's okay. Don't worry. Tonight, go back to your room. Continue to pray. Don't talk to each other. Who knows? God may speak to you tonight. So that night, I went back to my room, three of us sharing a uh, chalet. We didn't talk to each other. And that night, I had a dream. I called it a rubbish dream. You know why? Because I dream of rubbish. So much rubbish. Even as I describe to you, I can see it. Up to knee level. I was walking, I said, wow, so much rubbish. And then I look around, how come nobody noticed it? Only I saw it. And then there was this scene where there's a glass door. I opened the glass door, I walked in, it was a cafe or coffee house. People seated twos and threes around small tables, talking, drinking coffee, and I looked down, lots of rubbish. I look up, they are still talking. It's like only I could see the rubbish and they couldn't see it. Next morning, woke up, I forgotten about the dream, went back to the seminar room and we started to worship. About second or third song, Give Thanks. You know the song, Give Thanks? Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Let the weak say I'm strong. Let the poor say I am rich. When it came to this part, my hands were raised, my eyes were closed, and then all the rubbish came back. I said, God, I remember this dream. You gave me this dream last night. What are you trying to tell me? And I could hear sound on the right side. Typing sound. How many of you remember dot matrix printer? How does dot matrix printer sound like? <laughs> z, 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 ta, 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 z, 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 ta, ta, ta. I could hear it in my head, typing sound from the right side. So obviously, words are being typed out, moving to the center. And my eyes, my eyes were closed. My eyeball was just looking to the right, moving three words. Stop right in front of me. And the three words were trash of society. And of course, I wanted to ask God, what does it mean? And before I could finish asking, the understanding came. 
through my whole being. And God told me, for the rest of your life, I want you to walk amongst the trash of society. People will not see it, but you will see it every day. And that was when suddenly I could feel all my fellow cell leaders from church, they're no longer cell leaders. My eyes were closed, my hands were raised. Suddenly I was in a prison, worshipping God, singing the song, give thanks, with prisoners. And I heard God say, one day you will worship me together with prisoners singing the same song. And you know when that happened? Ten years later. Ten years later, I was in one of the maximum security prisons. Tanamera is still there in Changi side. Hardcore prisoners, gangsters, and at the chapel service inside the prisons. Worshipping God, the prisoners were leading the worship. I was supposed to speak that chapel service. They were putting transparencies. And suddenly, they put the song, Give Thanks. <laughs> and I was standing there, worshipping, and as I was singing, God said, Remember, I told you 10 years ago, one day you will worship me together with prisoners. I said, Wow. I said, God, that means you're going to do something. <laughs> Things are going to happen because you are moving. Let's look at the next slide. So with this confirmation, I started to work as a prison officer. Every day looking at the trash, but God looked at them as treasure. God wanted to set prisoners free. I remember this uh, particular time in Changi Prison. And in those days, Changi Prison is still standing now no more. You go to the Upper Changi Road, the old Changi Prison is gone. So I was working there, my first prison that I was working in. It was the first HIV prisoner, first ever. When he was discovered, nobody, didn't know, nobody knew what to do with him. The doctors better put him into a cell on his own. He wasn't a Christian. He was a Sikh. And so, whenever I was on duty, whenever I passed by that space, if he is outside his cell, every day he will be allowed one hour outside his cell. So when he came out, he will be walking a little grass patch. This is exercise. A bit of sun, a bit of exercise. He will walk and then he will turn around and then at the end of the grass patch, he will turn and he will walk. That's his exercise. Whenever I saw him, I will walk next to him. I will talk to him. I'm not afraid. I mean, he's not going to harm me. He's going to bite me or something. And then one day I saw him with eye bags as if he wasn't sleeping well. So I said, what happened to you? He said, sir, I, I couldn't sleep. I said, why? I said, because I see dark shadows in my cell every night. He couldn't sleep. You know, for us, if we are afraid, we just run out of our room. If we are afraid, run out of our house, go down to the streets, go shopping mall. But for him, he cannot run out of his cell. And he looked at me and said, so what do I do? You know, I said, you know what I will do? I will pray to my God. I said, oh, is it? I said, I'll pray to Jesus. We've got the Bible say the name of Jesus. Everything in heaven, on earth, under the earth will bow. And then he said, okay, I will try. I taught him how to pray. Say, in Jesus' name, get on myself. A few days later, when I saw him walking, I went up to him and he smiled at me. He said, sir, no more dark shadows. It worked. It worked. The prayer worked. And he asked me, sir, so what should I do now? I said, do you want to be a Christian? He said, yeah. Walking up and down in the prison in Changi, a HIV prisoner found Jesus that very day. The last time I saw him, I asked Prison Fellowship Singapore to send a volunteer counsellor and he was inside the iron bars. Outside was the prison counsellor counselling him. I do not know what happened to him, but I know that if he did not make it, he is in heaven now. Setting prisoners free. Let's look at the next slide. I'm not sure whether some of you like uh, spare rib soup. 
you know, some Singapore, yeah, Pakute, yeah, how many of you like Pakute? Okay, this gentleman in light blue, that's Jabez. He was a drug addict in and out. Uh, in fact, he was uh, cooking inside the prison for the condemned prisoners. Those prisoners who were supposed to be hanged, he was the, their, their cook. And uh, one of the chapel services, I was preaching, he became a Christian. Of course, I didn't know. I mean, there are so many prisoners, I can't remember. But when he came out, he went to a halfway house, he went to Bible college, and he was gifted. God gave him the gift of cooking. He came up with the bakute recipe, opened up one shop, and then now he has three, four shops. This one is at Jalan Simpang Bedok. This one. Every Thursday afternoon, he will close shop. 80% of his staff are ex-prisoners. Thursday afternoon, close shop, pastor come, they will have Bible study and worship. That's what you see on the bottom right. One person set free will set many others free. God is in the business of setting captives free. Now, it's not just about setting individuals free, but it's setting organizations free. Because sometimes it is the organization that is keeping the people inside bondage. If we can set the organization free, the organization will set the individuals free. I'm not sure, maybe some of you work in some office, some industries. It feels like, wow, it's like a prison, right? Some of us go to work, it's like going to, back to prison. Because the organization is not set free. We need to set the organization free. So here I'm explaining, as far as prisons is concerned, some of us who are Christians, we begin to set the organization free, the prisons free. So the prisons can set prisoners free. How do we do this? Well, in those days, uh, Changi prison, in fact, nobody wanted to be a prison officer in those days. Not only prisoners wanted to get out, prison officers also wanted to get out. And of course, uh, we need leaders. We need visionary leadership. So this gentleman was a police officer at the time. He came over to become the director of prison, the Christian. When he was in about 1980, he was a government scholar, police scholar. If I'm not wrong, maybe even a president scholar. 1980, he had a liver sickness, hospitalized, found Jesus. He was healed. And his life was totally changed. He, pro he got promoted in the, in the police side. He came over to prisons in 1998 as the director, as the chief. So God prepared him to help prisons to transform. And one of the things that he always says is, faith energizes, fear paralyzes. You know, one time we have uh, two, three hundred staff having a dialogue with him because he wanted to change the, trans transform the prisons to be captains of lives, to do rehabilitation, to help prisoners. And so a lot of fear. So the officers were asking, sir, we don't know how to do, we are not trained, we don't know what to do, what if there's escape, what's there's riot, what's going to happen to us? You know his answer? His answer was very simple. He said, we need faith. Faith energizes, fear paralyzes. Wow, all of us nodded, wow. Very wise, very wise. So during the tea break, I went up to him, I said, sir, just now you said fear, paralyzed, faith, energized. Where do you get it from? Is it some leadership book, some management you know, article? And he said, oh, yesterday, yesterday, Sunday in church, the pastor preached about faith and he said, faith, energized, fear, paralyzed. So Monday, I use it. <laughs> you know, whatever we hear on a Sunday, we can use it on a Monday. Uh, maybe try avoid quoting Bible verses. But <laughs> you know, Moses' generation, out of fear, they could not enter the promised land. They were running away from the enemies. They look at them and say, what are giants? 
It was fear that prevented them from entering into the promised land. Joshua's generation, instead of running away, they ran towards the enemies. Wow! Instead of seeing them as giants, the enemies saw Joshua and the army as giants. They saw the enemies as grasshoppers. Faith will energize us. Next slide. And so, we transform the prisons, slowly but surely. From captors of lives, we become captains of lives. Rehab, renew, restart. We are trained to... No, you can realign vision statement, programs, policies, legislations, align it to kingdom values and kingdom principles. Align to God's word. We are trained to look for the sparkle, not just the flow. We train our prison officers to look for the sparkle. Everyone is created in God's image. Jabez can cook. He can cook better than many of us. Can we look at his gift and his talents and help him to find, find a, a livelihood? Look for the sparkle, not just the flaw. And of course, uh, after some years, prisons start to win awards. It's amazing for a prisons department to win the top Public Service Award. This other award is interesting. Great place to work. Can you imagine when I first joined, nobody wanted to work in the prisons and then it became a great place to work. Do you know that now in Singapore, it's not easy to be a prison officer? People have to queue up to be a prison officer because it's one of the best places to work. Can you imagine that? Only God can transform. You know, you, you can't probably see it. Let me read to you. Ranking number one, Four Seasons Hotel. Ranking number two, Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Ranking number three, Raffles Hotel. Ranking number four, Singapore Marriott Hotel. You know, all these are five, six-star hotels. Number five, McDonald's, not hotel. Number six, Shangri-La Hotel. And then seven, private sector company. Number eight, Singapore Prisons Hotel. <laughs> don't know the difference between all the other hotels. They want repeat customers. Of course, prisons, we don't want repeat customers. Less and less people are coming back into the prisons because they can find jobs. They can go back home to their family. They can find a church to go to. Now, setting individuals free, God also wants to set organizations free. God also wants to set the whole society free. Nation. I mean, earlier you prayed for your nation. Why? Because you believe that God can set nations free. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come can come to into an individual. Thy kingdom can come to an organization. Thy kingdom can come to a prison. Thy kingdom can come to a whole nation. Not sure how many of you know this song. How many of you know the song Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Tree? You must be of a certain maturity and above. Actually, I, I, I heard about the song during my younger days, but I never looked at the lyrics. Let me tell you where Yellow Ribbon came about. Some people ask me, wow, Jason Wong, you're so, so creative, you know? You're so creative, you can come up with this yellow ribbon project, this brand so powerful. I said, no, la, Jason Wong is quite creative, but not so creative. God is the creative God. It's God's idea, not me. The words become flesh. The ideas, the heavenly solutions come down to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring it down, pull it down. Let me explain. We were having dinner at the prison officers club. After that, this was 2003. 2003. After dinner, I was looking for my children. My two children were much younger then. 
And then I found them in the karaoke room, singing karaoke songs, together with some other children of my colleagues. After one, two songs, guess what song they sing? Tie a yellow ribbon around the old tree. I said, oh, children know how to sing this song. And then one prison officer came in called Thomas. He said, sir, you like the song? Huh? I said, it's a happy song, right? He said, no, sir, actually it's quite a sad song. You don't know the meaning of the song? I said, no, no, I, I don't really know the song. I know the tune, but I don't know the song. Then he said, oh, it's actually, you look, look at the lyrics, it's about a prisoner. After three years in prison, getting ready to go home, wrote a letter to the wife, asked the wife to forgive him. If the wife forgave him, he asked the wife to tie a ribbon around the old tree. If the wife doesn't forgive him, then forget about us. Put the blame on me. And of course, he was on the bus. When he reached the town, he asked the bus driver to help him see because he dared not see. The bus driver asked the whole bus to help him see. What did they see? A hundred ribbons around the old tree. Forgiveness, 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 reconciliation, reconciliation, second chance, second chance, acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. Wow, when I saw that, I said, wow, powerful. Guess what? A few months later, one of my bosses came to me and said, Jason, I think we need to help prisoners uh, reintegrate back to society because they couldn't find jobs. You know, I can give them a skill, but they cannot find jobs. Nobody there to employ them. I can help them with the anger management, but no, their family don't want to forgive him. I can ask him to renounce their gangs, with, but with all the tattoos on their body when they come out, nobody wants to be their friend. Do you know that I have prisoners who become Christians, like Jabez was one of them. Many become Christians in the chapel services. And then I remember at the time, I talked to a pastor of a big church. I said, Pastor, some of your church members go in uh, to become volunteers in the chapel service, conduct Bible study, cell group. You know, inside prison got cell group also. Cell group. And then I said, when they come out, can they come to your church? You know what this pastor say? He said, Jason, that's a good idea, but I'm not sure whether my church is ready. When he said that, my heart broke. If the church is not ready, who is ready? If the church cannot give, if the church cannot give second chances, where would they go for second chance? And when I saw the song lyrics, when I saw my boss asking me, Jason, do something, I said, yeah, I think we need to do something in Singapore. Guess what? I can literally see the word Yellow Ribbon Project. <laughs> And then one day, I was mulling over Yellow River, how to do it, how to start a national movement, a campaign. Like, I've never done it before. You know, would it work or not? Would there be support? You know, would people think I'm crazy? And then in church, I was just worshipping. I said, God, this is your idea. Can you please confirm? Can you please tell me? And guess what? The pastor, we have a few hundred people in the service. The pastor, I was so far away from him because I was upstairs. And he was right there on the stage speaking. This pastor was preaching on a message on forgiveness. And then at the end of his message, now this is a singing pastor. He likes to sing. So he'll look at the song lyrics and say, you know, there's this song about forgiveness. I will read the lyrics to you. No, 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 I'll tell you what I will sing to you. Guess what song he sang? Yellow Ribbon. I was sitting right at the back looking down. How did he know? How did he know that I'm thinking about Yellow Ribbon Project? In fact, at the end of his song, he said, you know, God will deck the streets with hundreds and thousands of ribbons just to tell you that he forgives you, he accepts you. I said that was what I wanted to do, distribute thousands and thousands of ribbons. And with that confirmation, I went back and said, God, this is your project. I am just a steward. Let me show you. Now, every year, Yellow Ribbon will be organized. Since, is it, I did it for two years, 2004, 2005. And after that, handed over, it is still continuing. 
more and more people are offering second chance. The video I'm going to show you is 2011 because there's always a video montage. Why I show you 2011? Because the Deputy Prime Minister of Singapore, the Prime Minister of Singapore started to talk about it, even at the National Day Rally. When you look at it, because I've shared with you the background, God is the one behind it. All glory should go to Him because God wants to set captives free. Let us watch this video. Just four minutes. A simple yellow ribbon, a symbol of forgiveness, a gesture of acceptance. For more than 9,000 ex-offenders each year, this yellow ribbon is their beacon of hope that paves their way back into society. Your little gesture of acceptance makes a world of difference to them in their new lease of life. From the hands of inmates to Singaporeans island-wide, the simple act of wearing a yellow ribbon bore witness to the unflagging spirit of hope and second chances. The effort of volunteers who took part in various yellow ribbon fundraising and awareness programs paid off, setting a positive tone for this year's yellow ribbon project. For the first time ever, the yellow ribbon conference was held in conjunction with the ICPA conference hosted by Singapore. I think Singapore's Yellow Ribbon Project is an innovative idea. So many parts of the world, an offender is an outcast. And I think in Singapore, you're working to make an offender a part of the community. And that's fantastic. This year's Yellow Ribbon Art Competition saw more than 400 entries that impressed the judges with the poignancy and depth of emotions, which exemplified the theme, Tomorrow is My Reality. Members of the public and connoisseurs of art were treated firsthand to these emotive and beautiful pieces at the Yellow Ribbon Community Art Exhibition held at the Singapore Art Museum. Through the Yellow Ribbon Art Adoption Program, more than $40,000 was raised for the Yellow Ribbon Fund. In a display of love, understanding and support, a record number of about 9,000 runners came together for the most highly anticipated event, the Yellow Ribbon Prison Run. The turnout included the young, the old and people from all walks of life who came together in an overwhelming show of support running alongside the families, friends and ex-offenders alike. The iconic race route came to an end at the Changi Prison Complex, where runners were greeted by a carnival along with song performances from inmates, a mini-prison art exhibition and a rehabilitation fair. To us, there is no difference because offenders or ex-offenders were all people. As long as someone wants to make a change and live life, then I think us, as people who are open-minded, we are more than happy to accept anyone without asking where you came from. Yeah. I'm very happy to see so many people supporting the run. And most importantly, every year, the number of people supporting to give our people a second chance has been growing. Every one of us will make mistakes, but most important, we get a chance to stand tall and proud once again. Through this year's Yellow Ribbon Project, Many people have stepped forward and extended a helping hand. It's very important 
that we're able to reintegrate them back into society. Otherwise, what we will have is a continuing problem and basically a revolving door. The love and support of their families is their first step back into society. But that alone is not enough. There are more than 900 volunteers who give their time, energy, who work closely with the government agencies to, to, to do this Yellow Ribbon project. And also let public know that our inmates are working hard to rehabilitate themselves and that they deserve a second chance. That of the neighbours, friends, employers, colleagues, the community. Your acceptance is the key to unlock their second prison. You know, God is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, the first year, I just plucked a number, 300,000 ribbons. <laughs> 100,000 went to the Protestant churches. 100,000 went to the Catholic churches. Another 100,000 went to the rest. 200 out of 300,000 went to God's people. If the church had not come behind this, it would not have happened. If Christian employers have not come forward, if churches did not come forward and become volunteers and accept some of these ex-prisoners into their, their churches, it would not have happened. Next slide. As a result, the prison population started to drop. Less and less prisoners came back. I'm not sure how many of you are involved in the Yellow Ribbon Run. Have you participated? Anyone participated in Yellow Ribbon Run before? Once a year, yeah, once a year, the prison gates will be open for the. F once a year, they will allow the public to run into the complex. One side, 10 new prisons. The other side, one big field. The field, will, they will set up tentages for people to have a carnival, as you saw in the video just now. Do you know that that big field was meant for 10 new prisons that were never built? Saved the government almost a billion dollars. Saved taxpayer money a billion dollars. <laughs> Next slide. Below is Fiji. 2007, Fiji came. They saw they took it back without asking for permission. But it's okay. <laughs> they took the idea and they introduced Yellow Ribbon to, in Fiji, saving the government millions of dollars. Above is Jade Lewis. Jade Lewis from Australia. 2009, she visited Fiji on holiday. She saw Yellow Ribbon. Now, Jade Lewis was a young Olymp youth Olympian, groomed to be an Olympian to compete in the Olympics by Australia. But because she took drugs, so her dreams were all dashed. She went to Teen Challenge, found Jesus, became a Christian, got rehabilitated. And when she saw Yellow Ribbon in Fiji, she said, I must bring it back to Australia. And she did. Now she's a pastor with her husband, a pastor. They are championing Yellow Ribbon in Perth. And she's been invited to other cities in Australia to share. Next slide. Yellow Ribbon Run 2017. You know which country this is? Czech Republic. It has gone to other nations. You know, when God does something in one city, in one nation, it is not meant just for that place. It is meant to be a blessing to the other nations. As earlier when y'all prayed, pray for Indonesia that it will be a blessing to Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's what we want to do. If every nation is a blessing to each other, it's like brother and sister helping each other to transform our nations. Wouldn't that be powerful? Next slide. You know, there's a question 
I'm going to end soon. One day I was praying for revival. This was before Yellow Ribbon. I was praying for revival. I said, God, bring revival to prisons because only you can set prisoners free. And then I heard God ask me, how far are you willing to go? And of course, the gung-ho Jason Wong said, all the way. Now, when I say all the way, what I meant was, I'm going to work hard on weekdays, weekends. I'm going to go in to do chapel service, you know, on my own time where a prison volunteer passed. Morning, I will go into the Sunday morning chapel service. Afternoon, not enough volunteers. I will go back in again, you know. I'm even willing to take leave on a weekday and go in and conduct Bible study. And I was like, I was say, telling God, all the way. You know, after I said all the way, what I heard God say? I heard God say, wash their feet. I said, huh? Wash feet? I... I am number three. At the time, I was ranked number three. Out of 2,500 staff, I was number three. I was in charge of security. I was in charge of operations. How can the person in charge of security wash prisoners' feet? And then there are CCTVs. It will be recorded. I'm, go- I'm going to lose my job, man. My boss called me up and going to scold me. And so I was talking to God. I said, no, no, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. But it was a clear voice. And as I was having this debate with God, Jesus hanging on the cross came into my bedroom. I couldn't even look up. It was holy ground. I went on my knees. I was trembling, shaking. I could not look up because it was holy ground. And I heard Jesus hanging on the cross say, Jason, I was whipped for you. I was caned for you. I was stripped naked for you. I was made a fool for you. How come you are not willing to be a fool for me? I was weeping. I was crying. And that was when I told God. I said, yes, I am willing. Tell me when. I can tell you after that, every Sunday when I go in to volunteer, sometimes the prisoners lead the worship, anointing was so strong like just now, I will say to God, I say, oh dear God, is it today? I'm going to make a fool of myself today. I'm going to lose my job today. And then by the time I wanted to take action, maybe get a pail of water or something, the anointing lifted. Oh, I say, hey, not today. Maybe next week. And then of course from there, I became the CEO of SCORE. I went on to do Yellow Ribbon Project and then I came here to become number two. I was promoted to be number two. And guess what? After five, six years, you know, when you have more to lose, that's where God will come to you. So when I was the number two, one prison officer, very prophetic guy, came into my office. Sir, I think we need to do something to break the curse of Pulau Senang. Let's look at the next slide. Pulau Senang, I told you about Pulau Senang. In, there was a riot that took place where a few prison officers died. And in fact, those who were involved, the prisoners were hanged. 13 of them were hanged. It was uh, big news in Singapore at that time. And so when he said that we need to break the curse of Pulau Senang because of what happened, there is this barrier. So we need to break the curse. Uh, some reconciliatory act. Now, I knew it's time. After four, five, five, six years, I knew it's time. So I just asked him, uh, who is going to do it? Then he looked at me and said, you lah. I said, why me? You're also prison officer. You're also Christian. You know, why me? Director also Christian. Why not him? Because he's higher ranking. I'm the only number two. He's number one. Why me? Then he said, oh, sir, because the, if you look at the, the newspaper report, the highest ranking officer that was murdered on Pulau Senang was called Daniel Dutton. Then he said, Daniel Dutton, DD, you deputy director, DD. He DD, you DD. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, now at the time, I was very serious uh, because... God spoke to me five, six years ago. If it's from him, I'm going, to, I'm going to throw on my rank. I'm going to give up my whole career just to see revival. And of course, I asked him, okay, that's one confirmation, but it concerns my career. I wanted three confirmations. So I asked him, can you find out how many prisoners will be at that chapel service? 
I don't know why. This question came out. How many of them? The next question I asked was, when did the riot take place? Maybe the dates have some significance. So he came back, 42 of them. Guess what? I was 42 years old that year. When did the riot take place? If you look at this, July 1963. When those prison officers were murdered, guess where I was? July 1963. I was in my mother's womb waiting to be born. I was waiting, God birthed me so that one day I can break the curse. And so on that particular Sunday, I remember I went in, I shared my testimony, how I became a prison officer, the trash of society. I looked at them, I said, you're not trash, God loves you. Go on to set you free. And when the pail of water brought in, <laughs> they all went on their knees automatically. They were crying, they were weeping. They could not imagine the number two is going to wash their feet. And after the washing of feet, they were all in tears. And I remember the night before, I was praying for them. And the Lord told me to tell them that they are my brothers. So I got them to stand up. I said, you are children of God? They nodded. I said, I'm a child of God? They nodded. I said, who are we to each other? Who are we to each other? Brothers. But they couldn't say it. They called me sir. They called me Didi. They couldn't say it. And so the Holy Spirit led me to the first person on the right. I said, you are my brother. I hug him. He cried. I went to the next person. You are my brother. I hug him. He cried. I cried. And I hugged every one of them, telling every one of them, you are my brother. You are my brother. He said, our Father in heaven. Our Father. I've written this book. I'm going to extract this testimony because Robin was one of those whose feet was washed. And I asked him, can you share that testimony with me so that I can put it into this book? And he said, I was in and out of prisons many times. I was total 12 years. In the past, I always believed prison officers and inmates can never be friends. They will never be sincere to each other. Then came that fateful day. We shocked every one of us. A group of prison officers whom we knew came in, in civilian clothes. We could recognize some of them as high-ranking officers. One of them was deputy director of prisons. I remember pails were brought in shortly, and all of us were wondering what's going to happen. We were told to sit down, and then they started to wash our feet. That was unbelievable. Mr. Jason won't wash my feet. Even though the whole episode lasted only a few minutes, but it seemed to me a long process. I felt so humble, so unworthy, yet in another way, I felt having loved and accepted. I could never have imagined something like this happening in prison. I wanted so much to plead with Mr. Jason to stop doing it, yet I couldn't as I was too overwhelmed and touched by God's love. I felt a great sense of release and breakthrough in me. I felt that dignity had come back to me. At the moment, I was so convinced that Jesus is real. It was most unusual to see a group of prisoners and officers crying together. Soon the whole prison came to know what had taken place. And the revival spread to other parts of the prison. Many of us were so on fire for God. We encouraged each other. Inmates in the other part of the prison said they heard so much about what happened. Many rededicated their lives to God again. Personally, I had a breakthrough after the washing of feet. And you can see this photo. That's Robin. He's now working in the halfway house. He's on staff. He has a personal breakthrough. He said God's love become real and tangible. Love was missing in my life ever since my mom left me when I was seven years old. I found love again. Or should I say, love came back to me after that day. I dedicated my life to God from that day on. Eleven years later, this love is still alive in me. 
this love in me has helped me to reconcile with my father. This love helped me transform my life and my father's life. Before he passed away in December, he gave his life to Jesus. Even forgave my mom for her betrayal, which led to the divorce. He was baptized in front of all his relatives. God is amazing. Lastly, there was a time I was attending a function in the halfway house, just waiting for the guest of honor to come, and I heard a question. God asked me, Who tied the first ribbon on the tree? I said, Huh? <laughs> the father asking me, Who tied the first ribbon? I said, I don't know. And that was when I heard God the Father say, I tied my son Jesus on the tree. Jesus was tied on the tree. You know, we can love because we have received love. We can forgive because we have first been forgiven. We can accept because we have first been accepted. We can offer second chance to someone else because we have been given second chance by God. So this is the book that I've written. Because a lot of people say, Jason, you did this, you did that. I say, no, 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 not me, it's God, it's God. So I decided I need to put it down so that God gets all the glory not man. At the back of the book, I wrote this verse from Psalm 139.16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know, every one of us has a book in heaven and there are words written in that book about our life. Can you imagine those words becoming flesh? Those words that God has written about each of us becoming flesh. And then those words will become light, become life, become truth, transforming people and the nation around us. Shall we pray? For your information, there are some copies of the book at the back. If any one of you want to uh, get a copy, you can purchase it at the end. Let's stand. Let's stand. Maybe some of you are working in a place that uh, is very dark. And after hearing this message, you say, I, I, I want to bring light to my office. Maybe there's a depression, there's a depressive mood, oppressive environment. And you say, I want to bring life. Or maybe there are a lot of lies, just a lot of deception. Maybe the company you're working for are just very deceptive, very manipulative. And you say, I, I need to bring truth. And that can happen. You now, when the words written about us in heaven become flesh, we can transform the workplace. You now, at this juncture, just wherever you are, just close your eyes and ask the Lord to open that book for you. Open the book so that you will know what your life is all about the coming days, the coming months, and align yourself to what is written in heaven about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If that's what you want, just put your hand on your heart and say, God, open the book. Open my book. Align my life to what is written. What is written up there. Let those words become flesh. Let those words bring life to those around me. Let those words bring light. Let those words bring truth and push back darkness 
push back lies. I surrender my life to you again today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.